Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and I'm with my business partner, Mark Homer. And welcome to, I think this might be part five in the series of How to Invest. This episode is How to Invest £100,000 for the best return. Mark gets more excited the higher the numbers go. Uh, And we're going to try not to duplicate too much. So where we've covered content in previous episodes, I'm probably going to refer back to those. So we've done How to Invest 5000 How to Invest 10000 How to Invest 25000 How to Invest 50000 And now we're on how to invest £100,000 for the best return. A few little housekeeping bits, and then we'll get straight into the the nuts and bolts. So number one is, as of next week, so the remainder of the series, we're going to be live at 5, not live at 7. So that's live at 5 p.m. every Monday from now on. Um, The next thing is we are actually live streaming this out to the Progressive Property page and community, uh, Mark's page, my LinkedIn. Um, But these have been exclusively for the Progressive Property YouTube channel. And as of next week, when we change the time to 5 p.m., we'll go back to the Progressive Property YouTube channel. That is tiny.cc forward slash PPTV, all capitals. Harry, could you... Mm -hmm. Um, um, put that in the comments, please. Tiny.cc forward slash PPTV, all capitals, for the previous four videos in the series, five grand, 10 grand, 25 grand, 50 grand, and then the future ones, which will be uh, 250 grand, 500 grand, and then the finale will be um, how to invest a little or none of your own money. Uh, So we've covered the new time. The episodes are already on the YouTube channel. Uh, going backwards if you want to, when we refer back to things like ISAs or investing in the stocks or some of the lower end cars or watches, mm-hmm. you can go back and watch them. All right. Are we all good then, Harry? I think, good. yeah. Uh, if you've got any questions throughout the live, um, just put them in the comments. I can see them and I can bring them up. So I can show there the link to the Progressive Property Channel. I can um, show here a comment from Aslam. Uh, so, yeah, look at us and our technology in the studio. So, Mark, I know you like these kind of numbers. Um, before we actually talk about how you would specifically invest 100 grand, um, would you invest all 100 grand or would you have some contingency? So I'd probably keep, I don't know, 10% contingency back. So I might keep about 10,000 back, um, freeing up 90,000 to go into a, a couple of core strategies. And why do you like to have at least 10% contingency? Uh, I think being liquid is really important. When things change, you need to be able to, um, you know, use cash to maybe, I don't know, pay bills or survive or pay debts as they become due. Um, Voids. Voids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Issues with investments, pandemics, all sorts (laughs) of stuff. Pandemics. You've made us keep a bit more than 10 grand back, haven't you, for this pandemic? (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I, well you know there's a few things going on rob yeah, yeah there is yeah. there is but we're doing all right okay right then so um what kind of things do you like to invest in in this sort of figure okay so um i mean back to sort of you know single lets um buying them refurbishing and remortgaging that would probably do you three units rolling over continuously so you could probably buy 
three of those once every, I don't know, nine to 12 months, something like that, refurbish and remortgage and keep doing it. So, you know, you're, you're pretty much buying, I don't know, you know, sort of maybe six properties every 18 months you could you could potentially do yeah. um which is you know a, a good way a, quite a quick way to to build a portfolio um and um yeah i i, I you know you, you're not going to make huge amounts every month from a single let but it's going to add up very very quickly um if you're buying three at a time rather than one at a time mm. And if you wanted a bit more cash flow, might you go up in, into bigger kind of properties? Well, I would. And I think this gets you into a nice strategy or a, this takes you nicely into a, another really good strategy. And that would be a, a, a sort of nice HMO. Um, you could buy a sort of cheapish property, take it back to brick, um, put on suites in, maybe make it into a five bed, maybe put a conservatory on the back. Um, and potentially remortgage it, get you know a good chunk, if not all, your money back. Maybe with a, an investment um, valuation and, and mortgage on the back end, uh, and turn it into a high-end HMO uh, of at least five bedrooms. Um, properties like that that we've done in the past, you can easily make six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand, um, you know, thousand pounds a month, something like that. Um, and with that sort of money, you could easily roll it over. Um, you know, you could you could buy one property at a time and, and roll it over, I think. Yeah. So actually, I'm going to bring in a question at this point because it's on this very subject. This is from Kevin. Um, and he says, in this exact situation after sale of a property, what would be best to build quick cash flow, B-R-R-H-M-O? So I guess he's talking yeah. about recycling cash. Yeah, I, I would recycle cash, um, buy, buy HMOs, make them high end, put on suites in, you know, sort of within 10 minutes walk from the town centre, five five bedrooms or more um, as a minimum. Um, and yeah, I think that probably is the quickest way to build income and build cash flow. Okay, so you can move up the ladder here. So you start with single lets, get some um, foundational experience in education, um, start multi-letting, which teaches you about managing more tenants, more moving parts, hopefully more income streams. With 100 grand or 90 with your contingency saved, can you get into commercial at that level? Uh, I think you could get a, a maybe a small industrial unit um, or you may get a, a small office. Um, I, you know, you put a 40% deposit down. Might be difficult to roll it over unless you suddenly get a, a really good tenant um, and therefore you can sort of re-leverage it. Um, but, you know, generally, as I've said before with the commercial stuff, um, unless you find a, a really, really, you know, grade A covenant tenant and you get them signed up for a good long lease, 10 years plus perhaps, um, it might be hard to roll that money over. Okay. Um, would you put all that 90 of the 100 grand into property or would you want to be a bit more diversified? S same thing, really. I mean, I, I'd probably go up to about 90%, something like that. Um, lots of people would put some in equities. Maybe they put, I don't know, 30% in equities and the, and the rest in, in, in property, maybe keeping 10% back as cash. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's never good to, to go all in on one strategy. Mm. Might you match your ISA and you've still got money to play with? Yeah, 20000 on your ISA. Obviously, yeah. that, that can't be used for property purchases. It could be used for a SIP or a SAS, uh, which could buy commercial buildings, but... I doubt that's going to go far enough because you can only really leverage up to, um, I think it's thirty-three percent loan to value, uh, because you can you can only leverage the pot so much. 
Um, so yeah, you're not going to get very much in a pension with that. Mm. So referring to previous episodes, we've done how to invest five grand, 10 grand, 25 grand, 50 grand. We've talked about maxing your eyes since we've talked a lot about investing in um, the stocks or in, in funds. So we won't cover those again. Um, we have got a couple of questions that's come in. We'll take them in and then we'll carry on, keep it interactive. So this is from Ewan Dudding. Mark, would you buy using a mortgage and pay early redemption or mortgage that further advance could be taken? Usually I would, if I was doing a single let, buy, refurbish, remortgage, I'd purchase with a mortgage which had no early redemption penalties on it. I'd then remortgage with a, a new lender, completely new lender. And that's quite important because usually you'll get a different surveyor out who may be less wedded to the original valuation when you bought the property because it, it'll be a different surveyor. Um, and I would then remortgage without having to pay the, the first lender any um, early redemption um, penalties and, uh, you know, move on to a, a new um mortgage you know with a, with a larger mortgage balance which will release money to you thanks Mark. and we have one from james marchant here building a large portfolio of multiple single lets refurb revalue refinance strategy is there big risk with interest rates rising in the future if you're concerned about that just just fix the interest rates james um you you could take out a five-year fix quite easily um with um, with lots of mortgage lenders do you have to pay a bit of a premium for those? You always pay. It's like insurance. Um, <laughs> you always you know, pay, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's just like insurance. Um, honestly, um, since I've been doing this, um, fixed rates have always ended up, if I look back, on, on balance, they've always cost us more. Um, you just pay extra for them. Um, it's, it's effectively an insurance policy. Uh, they only last a certain period anyway, so after that, you're going to be paying higher rates anyway, but... Um, makes some people feel comfortable. So if that's you, fixed rates are there for you. Thanks, Mark. James here has asked, is the buy, renovate, recycle model, we call it buy, refurb, remortgage, um, is that market dependent? Um, I think if the market's going sideways, it's fine as long as you buy stuff cheap enough. And if it's going up, it, it becomes even easier. I think if the market is going down, it can be more difficult because you probably need to factor in at least 10% market drop um, in addition to buying it cheap enough um, and your refurb money. So, um, yeah, it can be difficult in a falling market. So we'll come back to some more questions in a moment. Uh, so would you play with a bit of that 100 grand and maybe buy a classic car? Well, <laughs> we've already discussed classic cars that you could buy from for sort of, I don't know, 50 grand or 10 grand. If you really wanted to sort of spray it around, you could go and buy yourself a, a Ferrari Testarossa like we've got, mm -hmm. um, you might get a sort of left-hand drive, if you negotiated really hard, a, a left-hand drive Ferrari um, 512, which is the newer version of the Testarossa, and they made less of them, mm. and arguably it's a better car. Um, that should go up over time. Um, other cars to look at at a similar sort of level could be a, a Porsche 911, uh, 997 GT3, which is the race version, the stripped out version. They're that sort of money and have the potential to go up because there aren't too many of them. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a few there. And obviously I'm back to, you know, sort of the SL, maybe a Pagoda, something like that. You could get a very nice one, right-hand drive, 280 SL, uh, in very good condition for 100,000, yeah. you know, um, an original one. Yeah. Mm. 
I take, let's just to be clear on this, I take it if you only had one lump of a hundred grand, you'd do what we said before in property rather than just put it all in one classic car. Yeah. 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 Okay. Definitely. You'll make more out of the properties. Yeah. Okay. Um, watches, because we're trying to cover a bit of everything for you. Uh, what, that you open up a lot of um, doors um, when you can invest about £100,000. I think Patip, Philippe, Nautilus have done very well. Um, there's a, a, a few models of them. Um, I feel that they're quite high, so just be wary, but they don't seem to be stopping going up. So you could look at those. I always think Rolex Daytonas are a, a good safe bet. You could go into gold. Rolex Daytonas, don't go for the bimetal, always go for the all steel or all gold. But you could get a vintage one from the 70s or the 60s. Um, for that money, you could get a, a big red, which is has the red writing um, on, on the face easily for that money. And you've got change. I get asked a lot about watch investments. Someone was asking me today who's in our Inner Circle Mastermind Elite program and he wanted to get a, um, a Pepsi bezel GMT. And I think the list is between seven and eight grand. And on the grey market, the dealers are selling them for 12 because you can't get one um, in the main dealership. And, and he's like, should I be paying 12 grand for a seven to eight grand watch? Really a, a fairly standard Rolex sports model. My answer was no, you shouldn't. Because I think that it's really high market and I've not seen that um, before. I've seen um, long wait lists on Daytonas in 2008 um, and they seem to be steadily, uh, they st seem to steadily go up and there seems to be um, a steady limit of supply. Whereas I think with the sports models like the Sub um, and the GMT, I do think they make a lot more. I think that it's a really bullish market. I don't think that it's going to last. So stick to Daytonas. The older a Daytona you get, be careful because you can get what's called Frankenstein's where um, non-original parts have been put in as repairs or um, or even worse to sort of try and con you a bit. Always buy with box and papers. For me, I don't really do it any other way because, yes, you might get slightly cheaper without box and papers, but I think you're taking a big risk. So if you want to go steady and safe, get a Daytona. You could go all the way back to the 60s um, or even, even a, a fairly newish one. Um, is, is probably going to set you, was well, definitely going to be less than 30 grand. It might be less than 25, depending. I mean, these prices could change, obviously, when you're watching. Also, let me just make the important caveat. Mark and I are just giving you suggestions of what we do and how we've invested and how we would invest this money. You should always do your own due diligence and research. We're not advising you. We're just letting you know, you know, the things that we've got into. Um, all right, then. So let's get back into the nuts and bolts of... Um, how to invest hundred grand. We haven't yet talked about um, building businesses. Mm. So would you be tempted to either A, start a business from scratch with if you've got hundred grand or B, acquire struggling businesses or both? Um, well, it depends, you know, how much knowledge I have. Um, you know, if I was new into business, um, I'd maybe try and start new, you know, a new business and, and really learn it or, or maybe get into a franchise. But I'd, I'd probably favor getting my hands dirty learning a business uh, and using my sweat blended with a bit of that hundred grand on you know marketing and 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 getting the right systems in place um on on developing a business because there's probably no better return um you know over having a, a really good business um you know on your hundred grand mm. Yeah, I mean, if you go back to the previous series, Mark and I actually talked about starting your business on the five grand 
series, how to invest five grand and on the 10 grand, how to invest 10 grand and on how to invest 25 grand and on how to invest 50 grand. We started Progressive Property. I was in debt nearly up to about 50 grand of credit cards and car loans. Mark was in a decent position, but he wasn't anywhere near as wealthy as he is now. We started it uh, literally on no money. We just got it registered on company's house. I don't think that was very much money at all. Um, and then we put 300 quid each in a bank account, which I had to put on a credit card. And we went down to Ikea and got some furniture. And Mark got a couple of cheap Dell computers. And so for, what, probably about a grand, we set up our training business. Now, Progressive Property is the UK's largest training business. Um, it's an eight-figure-a-year business, even in a lean year for itself. We also have um, Progressive Success, which is a business training company. <clears throat> and we built all of these up from nothing. And what you can do is you can sell some products and reinvest some money into Google ads and Facebook ads and marketing and sell some more products and reinvest into marketing. And you can do what they call bootstrap, which is, you know, grow the business from nothing and or the cash flow of making sales. People don't talk about this a lot when it comes to investing money because they think about, oh, I'm going to invest money for a return. But either learning how to do sales or learning how to do marketing or making sales to cash flow your business, I think is really, really a great way to grow. I mean, you were very against getting any um, loans for even computers or putting any stress on the overhead, weren't you? Yeah, I just, um, I think if you're going to start a business and just prove that it's viable, um, you know, you, you really want it as lean as possible mm. um, and to give it the best chance of, of surviving. And, you know, why, why take on a load of debt to start something that you're not sure is going to work? Why not prove the thing works yeah. by putting a load of hard work in? Um, and, and, and then, you know, if you need to sort of borrow to expand on a model that's proven, yeah. um, then, then maybe you'd be more inclined to do it. Is there an argument we could have grown our companies, not the property companies, the training businesses could have grown them quicker if we'd have raised external finance? Sold well, shares. Maybe, but what do you spend the money on? That's always the question. And I mm. suppose you, you may spend it on marketing, but you know, what would you do? Just pump twice as much money into the marketing to get, I don't know, twice as many people through the doors or whatever. You, you'd know the answer to that yeah. better than me. You wouldn't borrow money to go and get staff, would you? Um, so it's a tough one. Mm. I suppose if you're in a, a, a business that um, has proper IP, I'm not just talking information, but, you know, you have an invention or you're like um, James Dyson, you know, actually had to have invent something that costs a lot of money. Um, then you might need to raise finance to get that IP or that license or build that product. But because we built an information-based business where we were selling our experience and knowledge, we didn't have anything that we needed money for. And like Mark said, what we'd, we'd have done, we'd have sold shares in the company. Um, in the early days, it's too young to put take money off the table, as they say, and pocket it. So then you're going to reinvest it into marketing to grow the business. But if you've just sold half the company, then you're getting half the drawings. So I think this is why we've always ducked out of um, selling shares in our company, just because, um, yeah, what would we do with it? We'd probably take the money and put it into property if we were going to take it off the table, but we're in property anyway. And then they wouldn't be happy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they say, oh, you can take some money off the table. And when it comes to it, they really don't want you to take money off the table. I suppose if you wanted to grow globally and you couldn't grow globally, you know, with the cash that you have, then that would maybe be an argument. But um, this is not a particularly capital intensive business. No. Whereas, 
you know, VC probably or, or private equity works really well, I would have thought, with more capital mm. intensive businesses. Yeah. And if you need yeah. to buy, if you need loads of stock or stuff like that, machinery, or, yeah, loads of um, offices and locations. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Um, let's have a look here from James. As owners of a training company, I'm surprised you haven't recommended education as a good use of five to 10% of 100 grand. Um, I actually think we did, didn't we, in the previous episode? Yeah, both Mark and I said that investing in your own self-education, we think that's really important to do that because let's be honest, what's going to make you the most money is your knowledge. What do you know better than anyone else? So um, I, I remember Brian Tracy um, teaching me that it should be 10% of your income or the value of your car and that was his rough estimation of what you should invest in your own education. What's the Lamborghini worth, Mark? <laughs> Not very much, Rob. <laughs> Not anymore. About 100 grand less than we paid for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, maybe 5 to 10% of, your, uh, of this money in, in education uh, sounds like a good plan. I definitely agree with that. We did refer to that in previous episodes. Um, and actually something that Mark and I are educating ourselves on, and we've got some help with a mentor on this, is trying to buy other companies, so companies we know well, training companies, letting agencies, etc. So Mark, with 100 grand, if you've got um, a half decent letting agency with a 100 or 200 lets on it, and you could get it for, you know, well within the 100 grand, would you be interested in that? I would be if I'd got the knowledge to run it. Uh, I was sure it was a really good business. Uh, and I had the knowledge to sort of ascertain that it was a good business and do all the DD and dig into the accounts and dig into all the sort of uh, ASTs and the 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 landlord agreements and everything like that, then yeah, I think it would be a really good return on investment. Um, you know, you, you might be sort of, I don't know, you may get a, a 20, 25% return. Um, they might sell for, I don't know, four or five times um, uh, EBITDA, which, um, which could be around that level. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we bought a letting agency. Little bit of a mess, wasn't it? Yeah, but we paid 20 grand for 180 properties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's worth the mess for you, was it? It wasn't my mess. It, <laughs> Wayne dealt with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'd say the same thing. But yeah, um, yeah. So we have bought a letting agency, and we are looking for more. We have bought a training company, and we've sort of acquired assets from other training companies, and we're looking for more. So if you've got a bit more experience, and if you want to grow through acquisition, um, you could use some money to invest in, um, you know, acquiring existing companies. Certainly in uh, the lockdown and the pandemic and COVID and whatever happens after that, which could be worse than what's happened during. I think there's very good opportunities to pick up companies, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, what do they say? They say pennies in the pound, but certainly um, at a lower price than, than pre-COVID. I think there's going to be a lot of struggling businesses and that could be a good, a good use of your time and your money as well. Let's take a couple more questions. I think we, we normally do about half an hour on these. So we've got seven or eight minutes left. Um, so th would you invest in networking, for example, a high-end mastermind or flying lessons and joining a club? Hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that could be a good use of time. If the people that you are going to be surrounded with um, and meeting were, um, you know, good, um, I'd say some of the the best connections and people you know that that are most sort of relevant in business that I've met have been when I've gone shooting, um, and uh, I'm going to go shooting this week. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I found that probably better than the flying club, if I'm honest. Mm. 
we used to go to um, London Business Angels, didn't we? Yeah. Back in the day, we met some interesting characters there. Um, we've got we're a, a fairly small flying club called Connington. Maybe if you had a bigger flying club, I wouldn't go and get flying lessons just to try and meet uh, an, an investor. Um, but um, certainly, if you're in that position where you can get flying lessons, uh, I think it's a good place to hang around. Like Mark said, if um, you know if there's a lot of people there um, or they're the right people, go to um, Angels Den. Um, London Business Angels, certainly they were the good for us to meet really good people. Um, so, yeah, I probably would invest in networking and maybe joining a mastermind if I knew the people were good. So you can sp- invest between five and probably 50 grand joining a mastermind. Um, and I think mentoring, you want a good mentor. But when it comes to mastermind, it's the quality of the people around you as well. And I know people that are in Mark and I, uh, we have run a mastermind called Inner Circle Mastermind Elite. Um, and we've probably got, what, 40, 50 members of that mastermind. I know, I know there's a lot of networking on joint ventures and, you know, there's brokers that deal and lend money to each other and they partner up because it's a very high quality group. So I think if you choose carefully, I mean, networking is not really going to be much of an investment of your money. But I think joining London Business Angels or joining um, a mastermind, obviously, there's going to be some investment there. But, you, you know, if you've got your 100 grand and then 10 grand is contingency, you might ring fence 10 to 20 grand for masterminds, education, training, networking, etc. If you find one good JV partner who finances half a dozen properties for you, well, then that's well worth the investment. OK, right. So we've had a um, comment here from Gerardo, which is, do you agree that when you get to a certain level and in your late 50s, that the higher risk for a higher reward is no longer the best strategy, um, but maintaining growth, et cetera, and investing passively. I think you definitely want to balance risk as you get older. Uh, I know when I was investing with my stepdad, he was most bothered about uh, getting good income, probably not as interested in capital growth. uh, And he said he wanted to control the leverage and reduce it. But reality was, when we talked about him having to put more money in, he didn't want to do that. So, um, but yes, absolutely. As you get older, you want to temper the risk and reduce it. This is from Jamie Walker. Which business models are good to start versus business models to avoid? Speaking from firsthand experience, scalability and productization is really important. Not good to start businesses which can't scale, for example, mm-hmm. providing custom services, consulting, etc., or exchanging time for money only. Yeah, I think uh, scalable businesses are clearly uh, the direction that you want to be headed in. Um, If you can systemize and scale uh, and the business doesn't require you and it can be replicated and many other people can run it, um, then clearly the value of it, the multiple of the profit that it's worth will be much, much higher. Um, So, you know, I think if you can turn things into product, productization, as you as you call it, um, and. you know, if you were thinking of specific sort of product types, it, it, it might be sort of physical businesses, the information businesses that scale, I don't know, DVD sets or, you know, as we just mentioned, a, a sort of a letting agency that's highly scalable. Um, you know, you, you, you might have other types of sort of physical businesses um, providing physical products, which you can sort of really increase the throughput, throughput of. Uh, the other type of highly scalable business art would be uh, an online or an internet type business uh, where you can sell information or you can sell, um, you know, sort of delivery service 
you know, trade counter. Um, there's there's loads and loads of businesses in the industrial units around here uh, that have set up and are selling products which are which is highly scalable over the internet. So just to add to that, um, Jamie, you said it's not good to start businesses which can't scale. For example, providing custom services. Um, it depends on the, the 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 custom service because Khan is a custom service, um, and that's scaled to to be very successful. And Yanni does car wrapping; that's a custom service, and that's done very well. So I think if there's a business you're really passionate about, and you can uh, really be one of the go-to players in the market, then you could still have a scalable business if it's custom. And then you put consulting. Well, yeah, selling your day rate is not scalable. But training trainers to train your consultancy model or building a franchise and finding franchisees to run your franchise model, um, that is very scalable. And back in the day, what, seven or eight years ago, Mark and I used to do uh, many of the training courses. We'd do dozens of weekends a year, no exaggeration. Uh, and I, one day, uh, one year, sorry, I did 250 plus speaking days and I'd be speaking for eight to 10 hours of that day. That wasn't scalable. But as soon as I trained a trainer, um, and, and built a system to, for our training and, uh, um, you know, values and vision uh, and a way to deliver our training and manuals and training programs and, you know, screen recordings and um, a, a method of giving feedback and improving and onboarding and, um, you know, a, a journey and ascension plan for all of our trainers. Then um, we probably went from two, three million a year to five, 10, 15 plus million a year um, with the same model. So I don't want you to discount what you know. The key is getting out of your head and teaching it to others and creating a model around it that's scalable and replicable. And that it, that is um, one that other people can implement. If it's too technical or too much based on you and, you know, your personality or your individuality, then like an artist, for example, then that might not be scalable. All right. So Ian has said, invest that in Macca Sports. We're looking. All right. That sounds like a pitch for himself there. Fair play. Um, would you invest in several buy-to-let properties now or next year or not at all? I think I would go at it now. I'd start building all my relationships with the agents. I'd be viewing and I'd be bidding hard. And you might not get a deal because the busy, the market's too busy. Uh, but I think, you know, into Christmas and and the new year, things are going to pop up and there's going to be more and more and more. And if you don't start now and you don't get stuck in now, you're not going to be ready when they do come. And you may find some now anyway. I'm, I'm still talking to people who are finding and buying deals. So uh, there's nothing like the present. I think that's really important. People are looking for the perfect time. But um, I think many wise investors have said you can predict to a certain degree what will happen, but not when. And I always say it's better to be ready than to get ready. So be ready, go and, um, you know, be ready to make an offer tomorrow, even if there aren't properties that you can offer on tomorrow. It's better to be ready. But if you think, oh, now is the perfect time and you've waited and waited and waited, then you've got to educate yourself, go and build relationships with agents. Bear in mind, other people have already done that and they're getting in before you. You could, there's, there's like a three, sometimes even a six month lag. Sometimes properties take months. I think, Mark, once you, from end to end, you had a property that took about two years. Yeah, it was two years. I remember yeah, it. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and actually, they're often the cheap ones as well. So it's not always a bad thing that they take a while. All right. So I think we've got one to two more questions. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Just remember that um, the new time for next week is going to be 5 p.m. So how to invest series part. I think we're on part six next week, aren't we? Monday, 5 p.m. Exclusively live on the Progressive Property YouTube channel. 
which is tiny.cc forward slash pptv or capitals. There it is up on the screen. So don't forget the new time, 5 p.m. And don't forget to tune in. And don't forget to go back and watch all the others in the series, how to invest five grand, 10 grand, 25 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand. Tomorrow's going to be 250 grand. So you'll see him even more excited. Right, let's see if we've got any more questions. I saw one here about expensive areas. Yeah, this is it, Mark. And what's the best strategy or options if you're in an expensive area, South UK, 300 grand plus for a three bed? Um, I'd probably drive uh, to, if you're going to do single let, I'd drive maybe, I don't know, South Coast or somewhere. You could do a right move search and have a look at the cheapest places within 50 miles. Um, alternatively, I'd look to do HMOs and put more bedrooms in there. Uh, because that can still work in sort of more expensive areas. I think they're the two things that I would focus on um, if my area was sort of more expensive. You could maybe do some serviced accommodation. Serviced accommodation works in the best areas of London. Um, but, um, yeah, I, th I think I'd, I'd probably just, just get in the car and maybe go half an hour away. Thanks, Mark. Uh, this is from Darius. Are index funds great now or wait? Our second crash is coming. It looks like we have the Oracle yeah. on here live. The second crash is coming. <laughs> Sorry, as second crash is expected. Um, how do you know that, Darius? Um, I certainly don't, and I don't think anyone else does either. Um, so index funds, of course, they're great. Uh, they're, they're great almost all of the time. Just pound cost average. Just put the money in you know, over a, a longish period of time, You know, a set time every month. Uh, you'll get the average of the market uh, and you shouldn't lose out from that. Right. That's it. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Don't forget, um, we're 5 p.m. Mondays. Uh, next week will be how to invest 250 grand. The week after, how to invest 500 grand. Then we've got a couple of weeks off. And then the final one, um, which is going to be, I think, the 30th of November, I believe. It's right at the end of November, will be how to invest with little or none of your own money. Then you have the whole series. You can go back and watch them on this YouTube channel, which is tiny.cc forward slash pptv. So if you're watching on Progressive Property, on the Progressive Property page, on Mark's page, on my LinkedIn, go immediately right now and subscribe to tiny.cc forward slash pptv. You can get all the previous series, all the future series, um, you can watch them live. Like I said, we're going to, as, as of next week, again, we're going to be exclusively live on the Progressive channel. We won't be multi-living out to many channels. Mark, thanks a lot for your input. And we'll see you next week talking about how to invest a quarter of a million 